Well, we are now in the last few moments of the Sabbath, but happy Sabbath to you all. It is good to be here. <laughs> uh, it's been a while since I've seen some of you. It's good to see you all, Ernest and Ruth and Glenda, the Deals, and it's good to see the, the Shadrach clan, Abraham clan. Amen. Elder Castillo, good to see you. And uh, I'm encouraged by the fact that we want to pray. Um, we, we, we're going to talk some more about prayer, but I, I, I want us to spend some time, too, in praying, because that's the aim of a prayer conference. Uh, but we spend the time studying so that we can also be informed uh, as to how and why we pray. And this is not a subject that we can exhaust on this side of heaven. We know that one day uh, we'll say goodbye, farewell, farewell, sweet hour of prayer. But until then, it needs to be one of our studies. Amen? No, I'm not coming as one who understands the ins and outs of this, because this particular subject is one I'm currently studying, and I'm studying it because uh, a dear friend of mine challenged me on it, and I accepted the challenge. It was not a formal challenge, but I accepted it, and I was studying it, and I was thinking about it for a long time. I said, Lord, how, how can you make this, this clearer to me, because I need to understand this. And I remember one uh, morning, just a few days ago, a little over a week ago, my wife and I were praying one morning, uh, and the thought just came to my mind, you know, and this is what I'm going to share as we study today. The title of the message is Standing in the Gap. Standing in the Gap. Another look at intercessory prayer. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your forgiveness. I humble myself before you right now. I ask, Lord, that you will use me. Father, that you will take this preparation, Lord, and that you will present through me. Lord, that your Holy Spirit will empower me and strengthen me and give me a clear mind and Lord may we take another look at intercessory prayer thank you Father in Jesus precious name Amen you know you might want to turn me down maybe I don't know but okay it's fine they say it's fine uh, you know a lot of times when we talk about intercessory prayer uh, you know, we, we pray for family members, you know, somebody who's sick, you know, we, they want us to pray for them and, and uh, say, oh, we're going to intercede for you. And, you know, uh, there's a prayer list that goes around and so on and so forth. And sometimes it's easy to offer some of those prayers. Yeah, very easy. And I've been trying to get a scale, you know, 
as I've been studying, trying to get a scale uh, for intercessory prayer. You know, whether it's first degree intercession or second degree or third degree. And uh, this, what we're going to be talking about, might be third degree intercession. Okay? Uh, the, 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 fir- the second and first degree, you know, when people ask us to pray for them. Okay? But what when someone does not ask us to pray for them? Should we be praying for them? What about when someone even expresses that they don't want us praying for them? Should we be praying for them? You know, what is really going on? Are we crossing boundaries? Are we crossing their freedom of choice? Their free will? What is going on here? And so I grappled with this. And again, the title is Standing in the Gap. Standing in the Gap. I hope you have a pen or a pencil you could follow as we get in today. Hmm. Battery has died. Okay. All right. Guess not. Let's try this again. We're going to go look at our introduction. Well, first of all, let's look at our scripture reading. Notice this. Matthew chapter 12, verse 22, 28, and 29. Okay? Then was brought unto him one possessed with a devil, blind and dumb, and he healed him, insomuch that the blind and dumb both spake and saw. Then, you know, after the things that happened, where the, they said, oh, could this be the son of David? And the Pharisee says, oh, he cast out by Beelzebub. It goes on, verse 28. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. Verse 29. Or else, how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods? except he first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house. Mercy. I want us to think about this verse as we get into our introduction. Follow with me. Have you ever found yourself in a, what's that word? Struggle. Fill that in on your note sheet. Have you ever found yourself in a struggle or a, what's this? A war of words. Have mercy. Anybody ever had a war of words? War of words with a friend or family member over some bad what? Some bad what? You got it. Some bad habit or debilitating practice in their life. This ever happened to you? Found yourself, you know, arguing over something that is wrong and, and, and they're saying this and you're saying this and it gets you frustrated? Have you ever felt that you are a what? You are what? Fighting a losing battle when trying to explain some biblical truth to a relative and all they say is, I hear what you're saying, but I don't, I don't, come on, I don't see it. Come on now, listen, listen here. Remember the text we just read? 
They say what? I hear what you're saying, but I don't see it. <laughs> Have mercy. Let's keep on looking here. My assistant preacher is preaching with me. <laughs> Adasa. It may be time for you to do what? Up the ante. Ever heard that? Ever used that phrase before? You ever heard that phrase? Up the ante? In other words, take it to another level? Right? We're talking about this fight now. It may be time for you to what? Up the ante and take that fight to another level. They are experiencing a what? A disconnect. They're experiencing a disconnect and are in need of someone. What do I have in brackets? You, but you're not alone. That's a little cushion, right? To stand in the gap to help avert their almost certain destruction. Now, I use those words there euphemistically, almost certain destruction. And I look at the passage, uh, Ezekiel chapter 22. Look at this right here. Look at this. Ezekiel chapter 22. And I'm going to pick up a little bit before verse 30. Okay. Ezekiel chapter 22. Let, let me begin at verse, verse 29. Okay. It says, The people of the land have used oppressions, committed robbery, and mistreated the poor and needy, and they wrongfully oppressed the stranger. Does this sound like people who are into wrongdoing, right? Notice this now. So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall or fill the breach, some versions say, and to do what? Stand in the gap. That's where we get our sermon title. Stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land, that what? That I should not destroy it, but I found none. Uh, by the way, this is God speaking. What is he saying? He's looking for someone who is willing to do what? Stand in the gap. Right? But he found, he, he found none. Why is he wanting someone to stand in the gap? So that he doesn't what? Destroy. Uh, now, now uh, this might sound a little bit strange here. Uh, let's go back a little bit. Go to Moses. You remember when they came out of the uh, out of Egypt, and they were on their way to the promised land. You know, they're, they're now at Mount Sinai. And when Moses went up to receive the Ten Commandments, right, and he, 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 he's, God says to him, listen, get down there because your people have corrupted themselves, right? What are they doing? They're down there having a, a whole jig, right? The, the Bible is very, very euphemistic, but they were having pagan rituals in front of a golden calf. And God says, you know what? I'm going to destroy them. But what does Moses do? By the way, God is testing now. But Moses says, no, 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 Lord. Tell you what? Destroy me, but, but, but save them. What is he doing? He's standing in the gap. Right? Now, now they chose to get into this filthiness. Right? But Moses, he also made a choice to stand in the gap. We're going to get into what was leading all, all of this on. But he is playing the role of intercessor. He was a type. Don't we know that Jesus is our what? Our high priest. He is our intercessor, right? 
He's our advocate. Advocate. You know what? Can you can you have a? Yeah, just plug it in there and uh, let me use that one. I think this has done its years. I've had this for many years. <clears throat> he is standing in the gap. What about another example? Remember somebody by the name of Abraham, right? He was Abram at the time. But then we recognize that Jesus, when, when the pre-incarnate Christ, when, when God came, he came with two angels, and where was he going? To Sodom. And he said, listen, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to hide from you what I'm going to do. I'm going to destroy Sodom because their wickedness have come up to me. And, and Abraham says, Lord, would you spare for 50? What is he doing? He's seeking to do what? Stand in the gap. The question is, are we willing to stand in the gap to help avert almost certain destruction for some of our relatives and friends? <laughs> You're tired of, of going back and forth arguing about the Sabbath or alcohol or, or, or whatever it is, and you feel bewildered by it. What do you do? Let us go back to God's Word and take another look Take another look at what? Intercessory prayer. We're going to take another look at intercessory prayer. Help me, Lord. Let's go to Matthew chapter 22. Okay? Sorry, Matthew chapter 12, verse 22. Matthew chapter 12. Verse 22. We're going to answer four questions in the course of this brief study. Question number one. What is the purpose of intercessory prayer? What is the purpose of intercessory prayer? Verse 22. Let's read it. It says, Then one was, what everyone? Brought to him who was what? Demon-possessed, blind, and mute. Pause there for a moment. I want you to recognize something about the condition of this person, okay? Number one, it says that the person is demon-possessed, okay? This particular story we're studying right now. The person is demon-possessed. But the person is not only that, it goes on to give us some more, that the person is blind and the person is what? Mute, meaning they can't speak, right? <laughs> oh, help me with this. The first purpose of intercessory prayer is found right in that very first phrase, okay? First of all, they brought this person to Jesus, okay? A, intercessory prayer is about what? The answer is bringing people to Jesus. You notice that this person, he couldn't come for himself. Don't miss this now. This person could not come for himself. Even if he thought in the back of his mind that he wanted to, he was being controlled by another spirit. He couldn't see his way to Jesus on his own. And even if he wanted to pray to Jesus, he couldn't pray because he was what? 
He was mute. He was dumb. How is it that he, that he actually got to this point? You know, maybe he made one bad decision sometime in, in, in his life, right? As a matter of fact, look, at, look with me to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. This is not on the screen. Romans chapter 6. And I'm going to begin at verse... Uh, yes, Romans 6. Yes, verse 16. <laughs> Look at this. Look what the Bible says. Do you not know that to whomever you present yourselves, Romans 6, verse 16, are you there? Present yourself what? Slaves to obey. You are that one's slave whom you obey. Now, some versions might say servant, okay? That's just being euphemistic. The word uh, in the original language meant slave, all right? Some might even use bond servant. Whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. You see, all Satan wants, all Satan wants is that initial open door. And he will come in after the person makes that first choice he will come in and he will set up his house. He wants to hold this place as a stronghold. And so he will use liquor. He will use cigarette smoke. He will use, you name it, set up shop in this place so that this person now has given their will, their freedom of choice over to Satan and they can hardly even choose for themselves. Because Satan is now seeking to control the mind. Are you with me? Look at this. There is a soul sickness that no balm can reach. No medicine heal. Pray for these and bring them to who? To Jesus Christ. And in all your work, Christ will be present to make impressions upon human hearts. So in intercession, the person didn't necessarily, in this particular, in third degree intercession, they didn't choose to come to Jesus. They didn't ask you to take them to Jesus. They can't see their way to Jesus, and they're not praying to Jesus. But what did they do with him? Verse 22, they brought him. Right? They brought him. So our role in intercessory prayer is that we are bringing, to them, bringing them to Jesus, maybe not physically, as in this literal case, but spiritually. Amen? We're bringing them to Jesus. Look at this statement right here. The darkness of the evil one encloses those who neglect to pray. Was the man blind, yes or no? Blind, right? What, is, what does darkness suggest? You can't see. You can't see. The whispered temptations of the enemy entice them to sin, and it is all because they do not make use of the privilege that God has given them in the divine appointment of prayer. Now, you understand the context of this is where somebody has the ability, opportunity to do so, okay? But it wasn't so in the case of this man in verse 22 of Matthew chapter 12, okay? Listen to this next statement right here. There are many from whom hope has departed. This one is not on the screen. 
bring back the sunshine to them. Many have lost their courage. In other words, they say, listen, what's the use? I've been doing this for 25 years. I can't change now. You ever heard anybody talk like that? (laughs) I can't change now. Whether it was one day, one year, or 25 years, you you can't do anything for yourself. But we're building up to a point, okay? She goes on to say, pray for them. All right? Acts of the Apostles, look at this. Where, wherever the need of the Holy Spirit is a matter little thought of, there is seen spiritual dr- drought, spiritual what? Darkness, spiritual what? Declension, and finally what? Death. This is the path that anyone is on that's not filled with the Holy Spirit. Because God is the life giver. And if we're cut away from the life giver, what's going to happen? Death. Right? We're going to look some more on this, okay? Point number two. Question number two. Why can't people see or even pray for themselves? (laughs) Why can't they see what you're trying to show them in the study? Why can't they see it? What's so hard, right? Or why can't they even pray for themselves? Let's look at what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's go over there. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. All right. I'm going to begin at verse 1. Well, tell you what. Let's go back to chapter 3 and begin at verse 17. The Bible says, Now the Lord is the what? The Lord is the what? Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Liberty. What does liberty mean? Freedom. Let me ask you, was the man who was brought to Jesus, was he free? Was he free? No. He was what? Demon possessed. He was a captive of Satan. So we know that this was not the Holy Spirit. Right? See, where the Holy Spirit is, there is freedom. Okay? The will is engaged to freely choose. But where Satan is... Satan captivates the will, that power of choice. He takes it, makes it his, so that this individual is only now uh, walking around almost as a zombie. It eventually gets to that point. Have mercy. Keep on looking at this. Let's go to chapter 4 now, verse 1. Therefore, since we have this ministry, this ministry of righteousness, uh, you go back to uh, verse 9 of chapter chapter 3, tell you the, the ministry of righteousness. As we have received mercy... We do not lose heart, but we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is hid or veiled, some versions say, in other words, they can't what? See it. It is hid to those who are what? Who are perishing or lost. There it is again. Consistency in Scripture, right? Same thing we saw in Ezekiel chapter uh, 22. It is hid to them who are lost. Why are they lost? Why are they perishing? Verse 4. Whose minds, 
Let me ask you, what do you use your mind to do? To think. To make what? Choices. To make decisions. That's where the freedom is. But if the spirit of darkness is there, can you think clearly? Can you make the right choice for yourself? No. Whose mind the God of this age has what? Blinded. So that's why they can't see it, right? Who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. This is why he's blinded them. Because he knows that if they see the light of the gospel, they're going to want to follow that. At least, that's, that's, that's according to what Jesus said. If I be lifted up, what? I will draw all men unto me. Now, mark you, there are those who for whatever reason will say, you know, after they've been cleared up and cleaned up, we're going to come to that. You know, for example, look at Lucifer. There was no reason for him to go against God, but he chose to go. And there are some who will hear the clarity and truth and beauty of the gospel in a clear and sound mind and yet reject it because they're attracted to something else. That's not what we're talking about right here, right now. What we're talking about is where we see someone, your heart is broken for them, a family member, a friend. And deep down, there's something in your heart saying, you know, it's, it's, it's like you, you know that they would choose something else if they had the opportunity to. Third degree intercession is what we're talking about right now. So their minds have been blinded. Satan took that first chance he got to blind their mind so that they won't be able to make the right choice after that. So, point number two, why can't they see? They have been what? Blinded and muted, <laughs> right? Why can't they pray for themselves? They have been muted. Satan comes in. He, is established, he establishes his place in this house, right? This body. And all he does is he presses the mute button. Mute. You can't pray, right? This is my house now, right? So I press the mute button. Why? You see, one of the challenges that we face is that we're, we're looking at, quote-unquote, possession. <laughs> Lord, help us to break this down. As someone foaming at the mouth and falling and rolling down and cutting themselves and all these things, right? By the way, do you know that you and I are supposed to be, can I say it, possessed? <laughs> okay, let me use, let me use the, 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 the Christian word. Because the, the, the word possessed would be uh, where the demons are concerned. We are to be filled. Does that sound better? Filled with what? The Holy Spirit. So let me ask you, what is the definition for darkness? The absence of light. So if the Spirit of light, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit is not there... What comes in automatically? Darkness. And now you're not filled, you are possessed. Do you see that? There's now somebody else who, has, who is overriding your freedom of choice, your will, to control you to do whatever he wants you to do. Whereas with the Holy Spirit, it's a daily giving back to him. 
He gives you the freedom over and over again to choose. And because you're developing a love relationship with him, you're constantly giving yourself back to him. That's the difference. Hello? So, let's look at this now. Point number three. Question. What does Jesus do for them when we bring them to him? Let's go back to that verse. Okay? Matthew chapter 12. And I'm going to read 22 and then I'm going to jump down. Matthew chapter 12. Then one was brought to him. So we cover the intercession part now. Brought to him who was demon possessed, blind and mute. And he healed him so that the blind and mute man both spoke and saw. Now that verse doesn't exactly tell us what Jesus did. We have to jump down and make that connection. Okay? Look at this, verse 29. Or how can one enter a strong man's house and do what? Plunder his goods. Stop. What are the goods of the strong man? The individual. The mind of the individual. Right? Their logic. Right? That, that's the house. The house is the body. The goods are the, faculty, the faculties of the individual. Right? Now, remember for, uh, what we're told in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So, if it's not the Holy Spirit that's living in there, it's the unholy spirit. Hello? And that's the house. So, 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 so Jesus says, Or how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he what? He first what? Binds the strong man. Who is the strong man? Who is the strong man? The strong man here is Satan. But what? who is Jesus? Jesus is one who is stronger than the strong man. As a matter of fact, Luke uses that terminology. Right? One who is stronger comes. So, so, so what does Jesus do for them when we bring them to him? He... Bind the strong man. In other words, he gives them their freedom back and brings some light in. It's a here, here's some light. What does it feel like to be free? Right? He binds, you notice, remember this now. Remember our opening statement. Have you ever found yourself in a struggle or a war of words with a friend or family member over some bad habit, right? But we forget what we're told in Ephesians chapter 6. Go there with me. Ephesians chapter 6. And let's begin at verse 12. For we, are we there? Do not wrestle against what? Flesh and blood, but against, stop, stop, stop. 
I'm reading too fast. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. What does that mean? Your struggle is not against your family member. Your struggle is not against your relative. It's not against your friend who is hard-headed and won't listen to you. That's not where your struggle is. Right? It says, but against what? Principalities, against powers, against what? The rulers of the, of the, what does that mean? The absence of light, right? The darkness of this age against what? Spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. That's who you're fighting against. And you cannot fight him with your words. You can't fight him with your words. The Bible tells us how we are to fight him. It says, as a result of this, therefore, take up the what? The whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having what? Your, your, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Peace, right? So no more war of words, right? The gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So, so remember now, this is you. This is the armor you're taking as you are advancing yourself with this individual. Not physically. They're not with you physically. But Satan knows that you are taking them to who? You're taking them to who? To Jesus. And so Satan is going to begin to assail you and attack you because he knows you are taking his captive to the one who can free them. And so you need to be, you need to be dressed in the armor, have the shield of faith. You, 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 you begin to up your prayer life and all of a sudden your tires are going flat. Your dogs are getting beaten up, right? You, 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 problems start happening. You begin to up your prayer life and all sorts of these problems begin to come. Satan is on the counterattack because he knows that the more you get into this thing called prayer, you are going to be helping to release some of his captives so that they can get their freedom of choice back, fully back. They might have it partially, but they don't have it fully because their mind is clouded. It's blinded. Remember, that's what we read in the text. But notice this. The shield of faith, right? With which you're able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And then verse 18. Doing what? Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. It's intercession going on right there. So what we are actually doing is that we have forgotten to fight with them. We're, we're, we're putting that behind us. Fighting with them makes no, makes no sense. We have to go to Jesus and say, Jesus, I need a stronger than the strong man. Would you go and bind him so that he can loose my brother-in-law, my sister, 
Loose them, let them go so that they can, the light of your truth can come in and they can see the real choices that they have before them. And then they can use that choice freely because they're being drawn by your love. So, question number four. What will they be able to do after Jesus works on their behalf? We just answered it, <laughs> right? But I want to answer it from the scripture. Go back to our scripture text. Matthew 12, verse 22. Then one was brought to him who was demon-possessed, blind and mute, right? Jesus bound a strong man. He evicted him, and as a result of that, he healed him so that the blind and mute both what? Both spoke and saw. So you go back with them with this same Bible verse or statement that you used before, and you show it to them, and they read it and they say, Ah, I see that. Why didn't you show me that before? And now you're tempted to say, I was trying to show you this all along, <laughs> right? No. Right? Now, now, the timeline of this happening, we don't know. But perseverance is key because this is what God has called us to do. This is the fight that we're in. This is the purpose and the work of intercessory prayer. Right? This is third degree intercession now. Right? Not people who ask us to pray for them, but people, people who don't even want to be prayed for. But what did Jesus say? Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They, 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 yeah, they're obviously choosing to, to curse me and all these things. They're, they're freely choosing those things, freely. But they're not free. Because they've been made captive to the God of this world, the God of this age, of darkness. So what's our answer? What do we fill in there? They will be able to what? See the truth and to do what? And to? To choose. Choose it themselves. So intercessory prayer does not override somebody's freedom of choice. But what it does, by the grace of God, when he binds a strong man and evicts him out of that house, gives them now the ability to freely choose to come to Jesus. Amen? Amen? Look at this. In order to succeed in such a conflict, they must come to the work in a different spirit. Their faith must be strengthened by fervent prayer and what? and fasting, and humiliation of heart. In other words, there's personal preparation first before we go into the work of interceding on behalf of somebody else. By the way, this statement here, uh, um, Desire of Ages, page 431, this is commenting on what was taking place in Matthew 17. Okay? Matthew 17. And we're going to close with a verse from this passage. Okay? It says, they must be emptied of self and be filled with what? The spirit and power of God. Earnest, persevering supplication to God in faith. What type of faith? 
faith that leads to entire dependence upon God and unreserved consecration to his work can alone avail to bring men the Holy Spirit's aid in the battle against what? Principalities and powers. It's right there. Right? The rulers of the darkness of this world and wicked spirits in high places. That's who we're battling when we're trying to study the Bible with somebody. When we, when, when we approach uh, even a, a hostile family member who, who wants to make fun of you every time you mention grape juice and they say, no, they want the real deal. The real deal is grape juice. You're getting the fake deal. <laughs> right? You're getting the ruined one. You're getting the spoiled stuff. <laughs> right? They can't see because their mind has been clouded. You know, isn't it interesting? I, I just, you know, this came to my mind. I'm sure you probably thought about it before as I'm talking about liquor. Isn't it interesting how, how it's called wines and spirits? <laughs> spirits, right? What they need is the Holy Spirit, amen? So how do we get to this point? How do we get to this point? When it was commenting on Matthew uh, 17 there about that story, when they came down from the Mount of Transfiguration and they, they saw where the nine disciples were down there and they could not cast out that demon. They went to him and they asked him, Lord, how? He says in verse 21, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. That's the personal preparation before we go on to intercession. So the intercessor, the intercessor himself first has to be clean. Psalm 66, 18 says uh, that iniquity causes God not to hear our prayers. Right? If I, thank you, Lord, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So I've got to first go for my heart preparation and seek God for his cleansing his forgiveness of my sins. Repent. When I've done that, then I can intercede on behalf of somebody else. Asking God to bind the strong man. Evict him. Amen? Now, when that happens, my friends, when that happens, we need to be prompt bringing back the word of God. Amen? And asking them to choose. Because you know why? You know why? If after God binds a strong man and kicks him out and that person is left just like that, clean and empty, you know what's going to happen? <laughs> After a while, verse 43, Matthew 12, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds them. Then he says, I will return to my what? House. <laughs> From which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order then he goes and takes with him, what, seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. So shall it be with this wicked generation. By the way, in the context of the story, he was talking about the Pharisees. Those who had rejected Jesus Christ. But if we apply it to what our subject today, friends... When we see that even a glimmer of that miracle taking place, begin to bring the light of God's word. 
to take residence in that heart so that when Satan comes back, he isn't even going to try knocking. He's going to try to barge the door, but there will be a new, a new resident inside. Amen? The Holy Spirit. And so let's take up this work of intercession with a new, with a new look, a new glimpse. Why are we praying for them? We're praying for them because they have been bound by someone else. Their freedom of choice has been taken away. Even if it is partially, it's taken away. And we are seeking God to go and restore that freedom of choice that they can choose to serve God. And this is the work of third-degree intercession. Keep praying as we study this subject that it become clearer and clearer to us all. Let us pray before we go into our, our moment of our season of prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, even now as we seek to come before you, Lord, again, first we want to ask that you will search us, that you'll know our hearts. Lord, that you will try us and know our thoughts. That you will identify anything in us that we're holding on to right now, that we can confess, Lord. Because we do not want any disconnect between us and you as we intercede on behalf of somebody else, someone else whom Satan is leading astray. Taking, Lord, like like an animal to be slaughtered. Someone who, whose freedom of choice, their mind has been affected by Satan. Lord, we want you to restore that freedom to them. The wholeness of their mind, the health of their mind, that you remove them from these things that Satan is using to hold them so that they cannot see and so that they will not pray on their own. Father, this is the real battle. This is the real struggle. So, Father, prepare us and cleanse us for this work as we seek you. In Jesus' precious name, amen.